Guess what time it is? You mean roundup time? Is it really? <laughs> With your hosts, Ashley Bishop. Good morning. How you doing? I'm I'm doing. I'm a little and sore, but I'm doing. Daniel Edinger. So you're you have titanium in you. You're like your metal. Platinum. Oh, you have platinum. That makes more sense. Yes, platinum. Platinum. Do you want to talk about it? Sure. How the um, heck you have, did you get shot? What like what is going on? <laughs> no, it's not really anything that cool. Um, so a little bit of back history. Uh, this time last year, I was actually finishing up chemo treatments. Um, I guess I, I'm going to throw this out there. Trigger warning. Um, I had a miscarriage and that miscarriage led to a form of cancer that I got in my uterus, a very like incredibly rare form. My, my oncologist, 20 years of practice, I was one of two cases he's ever seen. Um, and when they were checking for, to see if that had metastasized anywhere, they found that I had a cluster of blood vessels in my lung that were malformed, which led to an aneurysm in my lung. Jesus. Um, and if it gets anywhere between two and three millimeters, they want to plug off the extra vessels that are feeding that so that it doesn't continue to grow. Cause it wasn't when they put the, um, contrast in, it wouldn't feed through to the end of my lung so that it would properly filter. So if I ever had a blood clot go through there, it would not have filtered out like it normally would have. And it could have gone anywhere in my body and caused a problem. Oh my, this sounds so, horrible. You know, and the thing is, is we don't know how long it was even there. Okay. Um, it could have been there my entire life and we just didn't know it. Mm. Um, but I'm actually going to go in April to Mayo Clinic. Um, for some genetic testing because I have another very small malformation behind my ear. Um, so there's a possibility that I have this thing called HHT, which, which is a de- genetic disorder that causes these malformations. Okay. Um, and it's a 50% chance that if I have it, I gave it to one of my, to my kids. Uh, and... This is not how I want to start the show, Bishop. <laughs> Honestly, it's not... Once you know about it, you just monitor you seem, it. You get... Yeah, you seem so fine about it. It's, it just yeah. it sounds so horrible. It, it's it's not a huge deal. It's not really anything too life altering. So since December, I was technically light duty, not lifting more than twenty pounds or doing any kind of physical exertion. Okay. Um, but when I go back to work on the twenty first, I will be fully ready to go and do whatever I need to do. Well, you know, we're always here for you, and, and I've known a little bit about this behind the scenes, and so it's really, I think it's just really brave of you to talk about it publicly. Um, I, I can't imagine just that the anxiety and stress of not knowing, or just, like, you know, it, is it something I'm going to pass on to the to the kid? Like, that aspect of it, that's, that's tough, but, you know, the modern medicine is so, I guess, readily available with, like, so many different treatment options that... I know you're in good hands and the Mayo Clinic is is one of the best clinics to go to. So Yeah. Just well you know, we'll keep you in our thoughts as always and hopefully, you know, it doesn't um it doesn't get any worse. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. How's work? 
Um, well, I mean, the day before I was supposed to leave for my procedure, I had a lady come in and say, I got bit by my DoorDash's dog last night. <laughs> Which, I, from what I understand, they're still trying to figure out who the DoorDash person even was because, you know, that information, they wanted a subpoena and all kinds of stuff to be able to give that information. And, you know, I find the DoorDash world, the Uber Eats, the WAG, that like that Wag? world. Oh, my gosh. We're getting I've so. I've not heard that one. <laughs> you don't know. So that's like a dog walking company. So like oh, it's like okay. Uber for dog walking. So you just sign up and then someone's like, I need my dog walked at three o'clock. And some rando just shows up at your house and takes your dog out pretty much like it's. I find that we get so many bites in this in this new element of like readily available. Why is your dog in the car though while you're delivering food? That's also a good question. You know, I also see people like bring their significant other, so they're just like driving around all day delivering food with their bestie, which is fine. That makes it fun, but yeah, I it's it's a world that like gosh bites. Ugh, don't even give me like we don't. We'd have to do a whole different episode on bites today. Um, which well, and unfortunately, she's looking at um get she already had an infection by the next day, oh wow, so I don't know if at this point she's getting i v antibiotics or not, but she was saying it was already infected, and think about the liability that comes on to doordash too, right, yeah, so if one of their contracted employees, and I'm sure there's something in the contract, but if you're i mean if you're gonna sue, you're suing. The big company, right? So, right. Ay, ay, ay. Lawsuits. Yeah. So that's <laughs> what I left behind. <laughs> uh, that sounds like a great week. I uh, I don't even remember. My, my weeks are so, it's just a blur nowadays. Well, you weren't at work much, were you? Uh, I, this was my first week back. I was uh, awesome shout out to uh, Carolina Unites their animal welfare conference we we had that in myrtle beach and as well as the florida animal control association in orlando so i got to spend a little time away um great conferences both great conferences i'm actually excited to bring on our guest here in a second uh kelly jellen in colorado because they do a, a wonderful conference here as well but uh yeah good times good to see people back in the classroom good to network and, and meet people and, and learn about how they do it in their state that's always that's always fun i really love hearing how how similar and how different people do things yeah that's i and think it, that's one of the best parts of the conference of conferences trainings anything yeah and when you ever start your state association up there in wisconsin you know i will <laughs> i'll let you know it's, yeah, let me know. <laughs> it, it, it's it's been going slow at this point just for the lack of assistance. So Fair. Yeah, you got to get the people on board to do that. Speaking of people on board to be able to do that type of stuff, let's introduce our guest, Kelly Jellen. She's, was, she's been on boards for almost her whole career. Kelly, welcome to the Humane Roundup. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I have been on board, on a board for my entire career, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. And we, we can talk about that here in a second. Kelly, so obviously I've known you for probably 10 years, if not longer, honestly. That's um, what I was guessing. Yeah. Um, and I, I met you as you were part of the board for the Colorado, at the time, the Colorado Association of Animal Control Officers. 
for our listeners that don't know you and, and Ashley, I know you were talking before we started, but do you just want to kind of give a, a kind of brief overview of, of your career and, and what you've done and, and what you're currently uh, up to? Sure. Awesome. So, um, so currently, I am the animal management supervisor for the city of Westminster, which is a suburb of Denver. And we're probably the fourth largest city here in Colorado, or maybe fifth now. I think Thornton's out, outgrowing us. Um, but this October will be 30 years for me in this profession. Wow. Yeah. So I started in 1992 um, at the age of 23 for a small city um, in in the Denver metro area. And then in 2000, I went to one of the largest cities, um, Lakewood. Um, and I was there for 10 years before I took the supervisor's um, position over in Westminster. And that's where I will stay until I retire in hopefully 10 to 12 years, if not sooner. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in 94, um, I joined the um, Colorado Association of Animal Control Officers um, board. I had previously been to conferences with them and um, for the first couple of years of my career. And then I ended up joining them as a director um, for the northern part of our state. After that, I... Um, when that term was up, I decided to take on the education committee where I stayed for a stint and then um, became, I was voted in as president for four years. And then after leaving that, I became secretary and kind of stayed in that role pretty much the entire rest of that um, stint of the CACO Association. Um, I took a couple years off because um, I needed a break, but then I got roped in and and here I am still. Um, in twenty, new name, right? <laughs> I know. So now, so in twenty twenty, um, CACO and CAFAWA, the Colorado Colorado Federation of Animal Welfare Association, um, merged together and formed a new association called AWAC or Animal Welfare Association for Colorado, and that's currently who we are now. Um, it was. It was something that was needed um, for both associations because we were overlapping. We had started a conference together. Ooh, gosh, I can't even remember when that all started, but um, we did a fall conference. So the, we were merged together for that. Um, and, and it just made more sense to, to, to bring us together. We had the same um, outlooks and same goals. So um, now we are AWAC and we are moving into our second um conference this fall to get as one so you have and... to keep laughing at the acronym i know AWAC. right <laughs> <laughs> like it was it was so funny a wackadoo when, uh, or... <laughs> well when we were you know we're trying to come up with a new name for this new association and there's just so many things out there but this seemed to be the easiest um and it kind of <laughs> Our um, fall conference is called the Colorado Animal Welfare Association Conference. So you just put a C on the front of that and we're good. <laughs> <laughs> so it just made more sense. <laughs> but that's kind of where um, I'm at now. I've seen a lot through the 30 years, a lot of changes. 
incredible yeah. to think about like as knowing you and knowing how like i i feel you're young and so knowing that like you've done this for 30 years kind of makes no sense to me because you literally had to start like in high school to be where you are today and and i'm not just saying that to like joke around like you've though you've done this for you know pretty much your entire adult life like when you do retire you'll have so much time to really like enjoy you know the the fruits of your labor and so uh, i was just reading a story this morning about an officer that worked 41 years before they retired and that's incredible to be able to do it not only physically but mentally as well this job as we all know can be mentally challenging for all of us so i commend you on 30 years and, and all you've done in this state uh, for the profession and i'm excited to to you know just keep in touch as you continue to to grow and hopefully get an invite to that retirement party in 10 years yeah <laughs> so i might make 41 42 maybe in this career that's amazing <laughs> what brought I... you into the career well so as um a teenager in high school i started in the explorer program so i even have Four years, you know, probably 34 years total um, in law enforcement. Originally, I wanted to be a police officer. And um, I stayed on that goal, went to college, and then I um, got married, got divorced, all of that. And the job at my department where I was an explorer opened up as a code enforcement officer. And so I got that position. And I fell in love with the animal aspect of it and the things that I could do for animals. Um, I still carry around my uh, first picture of my first animal cruelty oh, wow. um, that I ever had um, because like many of us at the age of 23 back in the 90s, um, when you got hired on with a department, you got a vehicle, a control pole, and an ordinance book and said, Go get them. You know, mm -hmm. you got this. Um, I came across this dog probably within my first year um, of my career. And I was at a total loss. I just know that something really bad happened to this dog because he looked like he, looking back now, I know he probably was, um, he probably was used for animal fighting. He was an Akita. And then he was stuck out behind a business on a chain in zero degree weather, bleeding, beat down. And it was just horrible. You know, I had to take them off of there. Nobody would take responsibility. You know, I didn't know how to investigate a case back then. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so that I think kind of kept me moving forward, especially with the training aspect of training animal control officers. We did not have as much training opportunities as we do now back then. It was very rare to have um, training just as animal control. So, you know, that, so that just kind of, I guess, stuck with me. And I stuck on that career and trying to make things better for animal control officers around the state of Colorado, um, you know, promoting training opportunity, promoting a brotherhood, sisterhood, where we could all come together and talk about cases and new ideas and equipment, any of that. And you really have. I, I know it's been a passion of yours, and you can see it in the work that you do. I mean, you wouldn't be in this job as long as you have been if you didn't have that. As we, as you talk about training and you talk about 
like how it was back then. And, and unfortunately I hear it still today uh, in certain mm-hmm. areas, you know, I get, uh, I, I get the privilege, I would say to go around and meet new people all across the country. And I hear that a lot of people don't have uh, access to training. Talk a little bit about uh, your, I know you and I talked offline and, and you're really excited about getting some new officers on board and having an, an academy like you, you mentioned. And so I'm just kind of curious um, what that looks like for your department and, and how you kind of come up with what's necessary uh, for new hires so they can, you know, become the best officers as possible. All right. Yeah. So um, I've hired um, several officers throughout my career as a supervisor and, um, and I'm getting ready to hire two more. Um, but I'm very excited that for the first two weeks of their um, career with us, um, we have a mini academy. And I think a lot of that has just been a lot of pushing through my command staff and telling them what we need. Um, and it takes a burden off of my my trainers um, in that beginning phase um, to get them to a point where, you know, they have all of it now. Let's put it let's put it together and let's work. So. Um, you know, we have a day of body cams, taser, self-defense, um, uh, driving tactics, um, report writing for three days because our systems are so complex. And then we have systems upon systems that, you know, how to do history searches and other little um, programs that we use to check people and addresses. Um and we have, um, you know, I have a day with them just doing uniforms, um, policy and procedures. So, you know, that takes up a couple of weeks. So I'm glad that we're getting that all up front now. And I think our training officer, my commander, they felt that this was all very important to do, um, to, to get all this in all at once. And then they can come to my trainers and we can put them, put all of it to work and start working with them for the, the 10 weeks after. So are you with a police department then, Kelly, or still at a shelter? No, we're um, we're housed within the police department. We're a unit within the police department, which helps. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I um, many many years ago when we got our first humane officers here for our county, um, they started out at the, at our local shelter when I worked at the shelter, and just seeing what they went through. I was glad that I was able to secure my position within a police department because it just, it works so much better. You have access to a lot more resources, I think. Absolutely. That's what I was just going to say. We have so many resources. If we go out on a scene where it's a hoarder house or, um, you know, a an intense uh, cruelty to animals, anything like that. We can call our crime scene investigators and they can mm-hmm. come out and process for us. Um, you know, we have our investigators. So when we get ready to do warrants, um, they can they can write our warrants and get them up to the county level. We charge pretty much everything on a municipal level. And then um, if we have to go county, then um, they will file the stuff for us. So we just provide all of our our packet to them and then they'll take care of it for us. So that's a huge help. Plus being, you know, even our dispatchers, you know, they're, they're within our department and, and they're awesome. You know, they're our first line. You know, it's something that 
as I've been in this career for not even half the time of you, Kelly, <laughs> about, tw <laughs> about 12 years, which seems like a lifetime. Um, you know, I've worked for humane societies in this profession. I've worked for municipalities in this profession. And the, the one that's eluded me, maybe not for much longer, and we'll talk about that in the next show or two, has been the law enforcement uh division right to work under a sheriff or work under a police department and so it what i hear and i know you both ashley and and kelly and some of our other guests work under law enforcement and i hear that there is a different kind of environment um and certain things are are looked at differently and i'm, I'm just really excited to have that experience as well under my um tool belt if you will uh, so i can talk about it also and, and relate and see because this, as we all know, this profession has so many inconsistencies. Whether it's mm -hmm. you know you're you're called animal management, we're called animal protection. Bishop's called humane officer, you know, and we're all kind of scattered. So it's it's nice to know there's some consistency under the LE departments um, versus maybe how it's scattered throughout the country. Right. Yeah, it's been a it's been a roller coaster. I will tell you that. I mean, I've had, um, you know, I have bouts of burnout just like everybody else um you know 30 years is a long time you learn how to work smarter and not harder um you know we're you know our job i feel we're problem solvers and mediators that's what we spend the majority of our time dealing with okay. um you know like you said um talking earlier about animal bites we have seen such an increase in animal bites since i think COVID hit um it just really i i just don't understand what the problem is i don't know if it's the responsibility of these animal owners or people uh, people are using covid as an excuse to not have gotten training yeah so now we have all these untrained animals unsocialized it's, animals i think yeah it's just and such an increase to take it a step further and I, I don't mean this as a knock and it may be perceived that way we have and, and Kelly, you've seen it evolve over time. There is such an, I want to word this the right way. <laughs> there, there's such a focus on getting dogs out of the shelters that I think some things get <clears throat> overlooked. And unfortunately, that leads to behavioral issues that we see in the, in the field, right? And so um, I, I would say that's partly why not we're seeing it. Yeah, I would, uh, I would totally agree to, to that as well. Um, yeah, I feel like sometimes they get pushed through a little bit sooner than, cause, you know, we see the, the animal bites where people have returned the animal back to the shelter that they got them from. Mm -hmm. It makes you wonder, you know, what happened? Um, was, were they not vetted um, properly? And I'm, and I'm not about you know, putting animals down because, but there are some animals that just don't need to be in society. You know, we're, our job is public safety mm -hmm. and we're to protect the public. And if there's a bad dog out there doing some serious damage, unfortunately that dog needs to go. Yeah. It's our job to ensure mm -hmm. public safety. And it's a, it's a fine line because some people will argue that, well, it could just, you know, and it's like, here's the thing. Like, I'll give examples. Like, I had a dog bite somebody in the face mm -hmm. in uh, 2020, 
we'll say it was in 2020. And then early 2021, it bit another person in the face. So we didn't we didn't impound on the first. Uh, we might have impounded on the first bite, but it went home. And then the second bite, we, we do what's called an extension of impoundment. So if if we feel that, okay, now there's a pattern or now there's, you know, a threat to the community, we can hold the dog until the court has case has been settled. And so that's what we did in that case. And then ultimately the owners without any like provocation decided they didn't want to keep the dog and the best outcome. I mean, you have a dog biting people in the face. The Mm -hmm. best outcome is to allow, you know, just allow the community to be safer by not putting this animal out in the community where it can cause more damage. So uh, again, none of us want to see it happen, but we also need to, you know, be, be mindful of our, of our community. A lot of the no-kill people, I think, they would argue, oh, well, you could train it out. Absolutely. I believe that there is a good chance that with the proper trainer, you could train it out. But the problem is you then have to put that dog into an area with a home that has the capability, the knowledge, and the willingness to continue that training. We don't live in that utopia. No, absolutely. I I totally agree with that as well. And so, again, the safety, my my job is to protect our citizens as well as our animals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess, um, you know, not only just bites, I I think I've seen an increase on cruelty to animals and neglects. Um, It seems like those have are on the rise in in our city, at least. Um, You know, out of all of them, (laughs) I think dogs at large, animals at large, um, have actually decreased in our city. And I think that's a lot of it has to do with um, technology, social media, Mm -hmm. microchips, licensing. Um, You know, we returned last year um, just return to owner 158 animals in our city. Um, you know, our impounds going to the shelter to impound an animal are actually um, decreased. So um, we usually, you know, we get them. They're microchipped. Now, keeping a microchip up to date, that's another story. <laughs> but um, but social media, wow. Um, you know, we get our animals on um, some lost and found pages. And before we know it, we have an owner. Um, mm-hmm. I have officers that will walk an animal around a neighborhood and until they walk them to their house. Um, you know, so I think that's on the decrease. And I think just some of our other um, problems are on the increase. Um, you know, cruelties, neglects, we've had some pretty major cases. Um, with that, we've used um, new technology as well as forensic DNA testing, um, and we've had some really good results from that in helping um, prove our cases. So, can you talk about that a little bit? Like, what were you testing, and how did you use it in the case? Um, so, we had a a case a few years ago that um, well, maybe not two years, maybe a couple years ago. One was a. Um, we took hair samples and blood samples, and we found a lab here in Colorado where we tested it and um, came back for a high level of um, several types of drugs 
on the animal. We had known that these people were known drug users. Um, they were being evicted. Um, we had some suspicions of um, cats turning up dead for unknown reasons and um, excuses. And with that, we were able to gain custody of um, a couple animals and uh, prove our case um, that they were exposed to the high levels of uh, drugs within the house, and we ended up winning that case. Um, oh. There was there was a lot of um, a lot of things that happened during that case with the um, suspect. He had um, broken into a couple shelters to try and retrieve his dog. He uh, he went to court, um, escaped. <laughs> Uh, went, oh. it was eluding. Um, it was just like this big, huge ordeal. Um, and you know, he was, he was a known drug user and, and, uh, it definitely played into that. Um, we've had, um, we've had some dog on dog, um, attacks where we've had a couple dogs break through a yard. Um, they attacked, um, and killed three dogs in one yard. Um, we were able to get DNA samples um, on all five animals, and came to, it came back that only one dog was actually involved in killing the three. So um, that was actually really surprising. So you and I know we talked about it before. You've also used blood, so you've mm -hmm. drawn blood to determine if there if there may be actual like injuries to the animal internally that you can't see. Can you talk a little bit yes. about that? Yes. So we do draw, if we take an animal because we are responding out to an active abuse case and we end up taking the animal, one of the first things we do is take blood for uh, CPK um, levels, which is which will show um, the, um, the, the trauma within the dog. Um, there's a certain level in the blood work that will show that the dog has suffered trauma. So that's just, that's just one tool that we use. Um, you know, there's, you know, x-rays and we've, we've used one of these cases where the levels were high. Um, you shave down the dog, you find the bruising, you take the x-ray, we find an old break. Um, and you know, that just helps solidify our case. Have you used anything like infrared? We have infrared. We have not. We've tested it on a couple like little things, but so far, um, nothing for a case. I, I went. I had a training once, and that was something I wanted to use. I just a one-hour training. I feel like is not enough to be able yeah. to you use know, that in the court. Right. Exactly. That's kind of us, and we have an infrared, and we're kind of using it more as finding like maybe a dog in a bush you know you're out looking for something and trying to look for a hot spot or something in a wall um so we're trying to test it and use it for that we also have um we haven't used it quite yet but our department has a drone and so if we ever have a case where we have we get some wildlife that gets down in the city and we're like looking for a moose or a bear, um, we can get that drone up and then hopefully they can help us spot where it's at. That's awesome. You know, I always have questions to the attorneys about drones. If you're, you know, looking for cockfighting or dogfighting, how, 
how legal is it just to put a drone up and cruise the neighborhood? And I never get a solid answer on that. So um, I guess in the if you're out there looking for wildlife and you just happen to come across 40 dogs on a property, I mean, in plain go. view. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that may be a problem. <laughs> yeah. Is that one of those, hey, buddy, can you just do me a favor and call into dispatch saying that there's a moose on the loose in this yeah. particular area? <laughs> The moose on the loose, and 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 just delete this this call in your registry. Yeah. All right, I think it's time. Is it time, Bishop? It's time. It's, it's time. time. We're doing it, Kelly. You, you get to play. Kelly? Okay. You <laughs> get to play the pick of the litter, brought to you by the Humane Educators of Texas. That is humaneeducatorsoftexas.com. Check them out on your web browser and see all the awesome training that they're doing and this game kelly jellen is it's basically your roles and your roles only you can pick or you can pick your own answer you can pick neither you can pick all of the above you can give a reason to why you pick but in the pick of the litter the pick is yours our host of this game show ashley bishop will read you the question and then you can pick your answer and then we log it and at the end of the year we will tally up the results and see who won the pick of the litter. Okie dokie. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. First question. Van, truck, or SUV? Mm. Oh, we're going through this right now. Um, and you're really going to just assume here? Yeah, I already put it in there. Don't say anything. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say truck. <laughs> oh, I was You were wrong. wrong. I put van, because I know you have vans. Yeah, but things are changing in our in our world. That's true. We deal that with snow. True. <laughs> true. Colorado with the snow. You know, I have a van. That's the one thing I complained about with my van, because they refuse to do anything that isn't Ford. Mm-hmm. So my van is rear wheel drive. Mm. Um, but if they would have gone, if they would have went with Chevy, it would have been all wheel. Mm. But whatever. I don't pay the people that do that. Anyway, <laughs> next question. Cat, dog, or other? Dog. Okay. Hip-hop, country, rock, other? All, all of the above. Okay. I, know I, like, it, I like it all. <laughs> <laughs> Nonprofit, Muni, or PD? Oh, PD, all the way. <laughs> okay, first one we can give to Dan correctly. <laughs> I'm guessing before you answer. Oh. <laughs> we have a little spreadsheet on that oh. <laughs> Bite or cruelty? Cruelty. I think that one's going to take it for the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we didn't talk about this. Body armor or not? Oh, definitely body armor. We wear that. That's awesome. Are you wearing inner or outer vests? We're getting ready to go to outer. So I have. How do you feel about those? I I think that that's. Yeah. Love it. And yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah, There's uh, one company that really puts out an awesome vest that we've. um, I've actually had my officer in it probably for the last almost two months testing it and um, love it. Um, So. We should be getting the final answer this week, but they'll have a choice um, if they want to wear um, under 
that's fine, but I'm definitely going to an outer when I get the chance, um, mainly to get the weight off my hips. Um, mm. And I like the look of the the outer vest. And I think it's just a little bit more, um, if something were to happen to us out in the field, um, it's just easier to grab. There's a handle in the back. They can drag you out or, oh, interesting. you know, just some other just aspects of it. You can take it off if you're too hot. I was going to ask. So yeah, <laughs> like if you're going like, for me, if you're going, let's say you're doing like a hoarding case and like, I like to strip down when I put, before I put the Tyvek suit on, it's just easier to just pop that off. Yes. Right. Like you don't have to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's yep. cool. Yep. So you'll still have gear attached to the outer vest. Aren't you worried about mm -hmm. handling an animal and having it tear off or, or not having as much maneuverability because um, of that? No, not at all. You can, you can pick and choose where you want your gear. I mean, you don't have to have it all up on the um, outer vest. Um, I know my current officer, he has, um, he only has his radio, his tourniquet is in reach. Um, and then maybe, oh, and his flashlight. So basically his taser, um, his baton, his keys and his, um, gloves are on his duty belt. Um, the other thing about the outer vest that I really like is the, we have animal management across the front and across the back. You are very easily identified. Plus we wear a different color. So I think it's just a little bit more safe for us. I contemplated asking because I feel like my belt may be messing with my back a little bit, but I've just been on the fence. And frankly, I don't know that my department would. I don't know that my department would let me do that because they're all about us looking so totally different than mm -hmm. in police. Law. Here's yeah. my thing. I'm going to say this is probably not popular. If you're ever out with your PD or just on a situation it doesn't matter what you look like. Nope. If somebody, well, I agree. Do, if someone's going to do harm to you, they're it's, it's, it could say animal management. It could say I save puppies, and that person's still going to shoot you. You yeah. know, like it's unfortunate that we live in those times. Um, and so I'd rather just see people be as safe as possible mm -hmm. with the equipment that they have. Yeah. No, I I 100% agree. Yeah. Um, it, it it looks sharp. I mean. Yeah. It does. I'm excited. I'm excited to see it when you when you have it. I'll send you a picture of uh, John okay. of our one officer that has it. So please, yeah, that'd be cool. Okay. All right, going forward with our game, barking or stray? Oh, definitely stray. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm with you there. <laughs> I think everybody hates barking dog calls. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised uh, we have three or two, four people three, that said barking. Four, <laughs> really? Yeah. There's, there's comes your problem. Problem solver and mediation skills. There, those are one of my. I just hear the call come in, and I'm just like, "What else can I find to do?" <laughs> uh, cell phone or radio? Oh, radio. <laughs> All right. Can we keep the streak going, Dan? You think? I think so. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think so too. Uh, Zoom or in person? In person. One hundred percent. Twelve, twelve so far for the year. <laughs> uh, Dan can't count. It's only eleven. Um, <laughs> whatever. Skunk or DOA? Oh, DOA. That's actually been very popular as well. Yeah. All right. And now I, 
I'm really interested to hear this one just because of your longevity in the field. Catchpole, Snappy Snare, or Lariat? Snappy Snare, favorite tool of all. Ah! Yep. <laughs> I probably, I would say I use, well, yeah, Control Pole, I, we, we don't really use as much as we used to, I think. I think we use other tools, <laughs> like our voices and leashes, and but... um. But Snappy Snare is definitely probably one of my favorite. Not a single person has said Lariat. Well, you haven't interviewed me yet, so... You don't tell me. You know. <laughs> I, you know, the one thing I have found, though, is my Snappy Snares, I keep having issues with them poking yes. through. Mm-hmm. Have you found a solution to that? No, we just buy new. I usually, um, <laughs> whenever I buy a new one, I usually buy two to replace it, just that I have them in my stash, so of equipment. Um, you know, somebody mentioned to me that it might be, because I, I keep mine in my van, obviously, mm-hmm. so it's there. Um, somebody mentioned it might be from the temperature fluctuation. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that would... But, you know, and here's the thing, nylon, the nylon ones are the stainless steel. I use the nylon. So do I. I The stainless steel, I get poked too many times. We got rid of them. Yeah. I did have somebody, because I, I had posed a question on Facebook about them, um, and somebody had sent me um, his own design of how <laughs> he makes his own. And I haven't tried that. Mm. Uh, but apparently, yeah, it's a common issue with them, which really sucks. Uh, luckily, they're not horribly expensive, though, either. Yeah. Ellie, can you tell us the there's an upcoming spring conference here in April, right? Yes. Uh, that AWAC is putting on, correct? Correct. So um, AWAC and Code 3 Associates are uh, joining together, and we're having our spring training April 13th and 14th in Longmont, Colorado. Um, You can find the training at www.awac.net. We're having reptiles, exotic birds, um, the link between animal cruelty and human uh, violence, the Colorado Correctional Prison trained canine programs coming to speak. Um, Greenwood Wildlife um, is coming up to speak about some rehabs of babies, uh, some livestock behavior. And uh, animal decontamination. So um, we have a full lineup, um, and hopefully the weather will hold out for us. And, um, you know, we have some great speakers. If anybody's ever heard of Anne Elizabeth Nash, she's with the uh, Colorado uh, Reptile Humane um, Society here in Colorado, and she is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to Isn't reptiles. Isn't she now Dr. Dr. Nash? Didn't she get her doctorate or... I feel like she did, but I might be wrong. So don't yeah, worry I'm, on that. I'm not sure. He's probably wrong. <laughs> well, she might. She, she. I know she was the last time I spoke with her. She was talking about getting her doctorate. So yeah, and uh, always a favorite. Diane Balkan um, is coming to speak with uh, us. Is as she well. doing the link? She is doing the link. Um, okay. We have a speaker from the Denver Zoo coming to do these exotic birds. Um, nice. Garrett Garrett Leonard from um, Code Three. He's coming to help with the livestock and as well as uh, animal decom and uh, same with Brent Huff. So, yeah, we have some we have some.
great training coming up. And then, of course, our fall conference, the big one, um, to um, AWAC is the Colorado Animal Welfare Conference. And that is September 21st through the 23rd. And that is in Colorado Springs at a great hotel called the a Great Wolf Lodge. Um, and that is also on our website. We're just still lining up speakers and classes. So um, that should come out closer, probably the June, July. That was my um, shameless plug to come speak at one of your conferences. You know, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm just not loved in Colorado the same way I'm loved in the country. Because <laughs> uh, they know you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm not part of I'm not part of the speaker committee. I do sponsorship for that committee, so I try and raise some money. Um, and for the listeners, the, these conferences are open yes. through like if you want to if you're in Wyoming or New Mexico, and you want to drive up, or maybe you're in Utah and want to fly over. It's open to anybody. You don't have to be a Colorado officer or shelter person to, no. to join. Oh, yeah. more the merrier. Yeah. We like to have people from out you of state. Don't even mention Wisconsin. Do you? Well, you don't go anywhere, so <laughs> this, is true. this isn't my fault. Uh, it's fair, but you, you're more than welcome to come. You could stay at the at the house if you need to. So, <laughs> yeah, they would never approve that. Staying at the house or just no. not allowing you to leave? Allowing me to be any more than halfway out of state of wisconsin like i can go to the like middle of illinois it's got to be within driving distance mm. well you could drive here it's only 17 hours <laughs> Take well for the listeners again um it's www.awac.net check that out check out the training register check out the speakers that they have and they you know i've been to several colorado trainings i've been to several trainings throughout the country and the Colorado trainings are definitely a great one. They have great opportunities to network, great speakers, great venues. Uh, the venue, is it going to be at the Code 3 building for the spring training? Yes, it is. Okay. And, yeah. and that's in Longmont? Correct. Is that Longmont? Longmont. Okay, Longmont, Colorado. Yeah. Longmont, Colorado. Just north of Denver by like 40 minutes. So check that out. That's some great stuff that they have going on up there. And uh, Kelly, as always, it's fun to chat and... Uh, you know, I look forward to continuing to, you know, see you throughout the state and work with you uh, when we can. And I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and talk about all your years of experience and just your wealth of knowledge and, and everything that you've done for this profession, because you've done a lot. And uh, we appreciate what you do currently and what you've done. So thank you for, for doing that. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, it was good. Thank you. Mm hmm. Was was there anything we didn't chat about that you wanted to make sure our listeners heard? Or no, Bishop, did you have anything final? No, I don't think so. Well, you know what time it is then. <laughs> you know what, Bishop, you're taking this one. Oh, okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. Keep it humane, humane. Maine. And thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> Bye.